0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on BleedCubbyBlue.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at at Cup of Cubby Blue. My name's Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz-Vanisek, and I have a minor case of the Mondays, so I'm ready for baseball.
0: Well, that's good. I have a major case of the Mondays. So between the two of us, this could be one of those episodes that's, like, ridiculous. Yeah,
1: So, so advance warning. We apologize if this goes in a direction you're not prepared for.
0: It's a great way to start out our week. We're like I know, right? Warning people off the podcast. Um, so we have a lot to cover this time, not quite as much as last week. As of this recording, at least, the Cubs have not made any additional trades. So we're going to talk about the Padres' uh, visit to Wrigley Field and how the Cubs wrapped up a 7-2 and homestand. We'll look a little bit at what some of our favorite players are doing, specifically Anthony Rizzo has been red hot lately. And then we'll look ahead – to a West Coast road trip where the Cubs are going to run right into a red-hot Giants team. But, Andy, let's start with the Padres games. What did you see in the last three games of this road trip this weekend? Or this not road trip, home stand this weekend?
1: Well, you're not the first one that's called it a road trip um, today. I also heard somebody on the radio call it a road trip. I was like, time out. I know we really want them to have a better record on the road, but (laughs) we can't just make believe that games at Wrigley are road games. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I'm going to bl- play. That's part of my Mondays there, to be quite honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to point that out.
1: Um, no, I was actually very impressed with how many people showed up to watch the games. <laughs> I mean, I was like full fledged on Friday. So I have to apologize in advance and, and kind of um, be completely transparent. My daughter had a basketball tournament out of town. So I was essentially watching the games while watching my daughter play basketball. So I was a little distracted. and was not listening to sound. So if I don't seem like I know everything that was talked about or that happened, that's why. So I have a very good excuse, I promise. But on Friday when I was watching and it was like the same temperature as it is on the surface of the sun, there was a lot of people in the stands. I was very impressed with the turnout. So, um, I mean, you know, people were obviously very drenched and sweating, but it, I mean, I was impressed with that. I don't know if I would have been so gun ho to go to the game on um, any of the games this weekend with how hot it was. But um, I, for one, was very happy with the way this series went um, up until about the eighth inning of game three. Um, I kind of felt like this was a very sweepable series. Because I definitely, when I said our last episode that I would be happy with two of three, I did not imagine that we would have already won two games going into Sunday. I kind of felt like the first two games, one of those two would have been a loss. So I was pretty happy. I was pretty. I was feeling pretty confident with Hendricks going on Sunday that we were going to pull off a sweep. Um, but... Our bullpen happened. (laughs) Yeah, our Uh, bullpen happened.
0: So, in case you're just catching up, uh, CJ came back and pitched in the eighth inning. He had two outs the whole time, and he just really did not look good. His velocity is down. I'm I'm not entirely sure that he's better. Whatever injury he's dealing with, he has not looked like himself all year. And it was a short time back for CJ. He is already on the shuttle back to Iowa after – a pretty disastrous outing on Sunday afternoon. And I i mean, I want nothing but the best for CJ. He's awesome. And when his stuff is on, it's on, but he has not been himself in 2019 and you just cannot throw him out there right now in any close game with the way he is pitching. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really want him to be back to the CJ that we know and love, but we just have not seen it. And quite frankly, I've not done any kind of numerical comparison, but I feel like we've seen more of the bad CJ than we've seen of the good CJ. And you, you kind of have to wonder if what we saw from him in 2016 and you know a little bit at the beginning of 2017, if that was not a little fluky because he just has not looked good um, and he can't get any kind of rhythm. You feel like you've, you see one great outing for him and like you you're you know I this is me anyways I'm speaking from how I feel about him I get all kinds of excited yes maybe he's turned a corner he's gonna come back and you know give us a really solid arm in the bullpen again and then he has another outing where he just kind of blows up and gosh I love the dude like he all around is such a good story and he's such a good dude and I may have a little bias because he did throw me a ball on opening day a couple of years ago so I I just I really want him to be good and to do well and be successful and help this team out, but he's just not there, and it's, it's hard to watch.
0: So I'm going to push back a little bit on the numbers thing because I think that he does have, you know, at times both in 2016 and 2017 and parts of 2018, he's had an elite strikeout rate. So that's not an illusion. Like he gets a lot of swing and miss on his stuff when it's right. The problem is that he also has been walking a lot of guys and he can afford to do that when he's getting a ton of strikeouts. His strikeout rate is down considerably in 2019. And so it's not like he's he he just doesn't have the same um, wiggle room with that walk rate that he has had the last couple of seasons. I know that there have been a couple of high-profile <laughs> Carl Edwards Jr.'s meltdowns that people have seen that have really, like, you know, happened in opportune times, almost always in the eighth inning, incidentally, which I don't know, maybe I don't know if that's random or if that's just the thing that happens on occasion with him. But the um so I think that the numbers are there and I think that he has proven that he has the stuff. But in 2019, it looks like he's hurt or something's wrong. His uh fastball is not hitting the types of velocities that it did in previous years and he just doesn't have the movement on some of his other pitches that he's had before. And it seems like the second he throws something out of the zone that doesn't hit the spot or doesn't get a call that he needs, everything just kind of falls apart. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. I think it, it'll just be one of those things, you know, that time will tell it, whether or not he can make it back and, and what he's, you know, what exactly it is that he's working on because no one has really said, you know, if he's, he's injured or, I mean, he did have, you know, um, an injured list, uh, stint this week or not this week, this year. Um, but we don't, I mean, it sounded like that he was back doing well and, and was okay. And they thought he was going to be up now and, you know, here he is on his way back to Des Moines. So, you know, it just, it, it stinks all around because again, you know, he is somebody that has shown us that he's got ridiculous stuff when it's working, but, you know, just the past, you know, year we've, or, you know, this season thus far, he just does not, he does not look like the CJ of old. So, I mean, you know, I just, I I hope someone like him can figure it out and be back with us, but you just, you just don't know at this point.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Speaking of bullpen woes, um, the other game that was a lot closer than it needed to be Pedro strope uh, gave up a home run in the eighth inning of John Lester's start and allowed the Padres to tie up that game late on Friday. The Cubs managed to get that run back in the bottom of the eighth inning and then Kimbrell Kimbrell, which was outstanding. But I'm still a little bit worried about Pedro Strope. He also has not looked shut down like we've seen in the past. And, you know, I'm so hopeful that Brandon Morrow could come back and be that eighth inning guy that the Cubs need. But at the moment, there really seems to be a gap Between Kinsler and c sheck and Kimbrell. And I'm not sure who's gonna fill that gap right now.
1: Yeah, and that's this is kind of one of those games that like you saw Lester, you know, he gave up 12 hits and, and four earned runs, but he struck out six. You hate to see him not get that decision because obviously he had a pretty decent game. I mean, obviously the four earned runs hurts a little bit, but you know, we had five, so you would think him leaving the game with a lead he would get the decision or you would hope anyways so you know I feel bad that he wasn't able to get the decision there but yeah I mean you can definitely feel that there is some bit of I don't want to say panic because I don't feel like there's a whole lot of panic happening but you can tell that there's a little fumbling with who is filling that gap and hopefully they're working on that as we speak.
0: Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't call it panic either, but I think that they're, you know, I, I doubt if you're a Cubs fan who watches a lot of games right now, you're feeling super comfortable when the Cubs have a one or two run lead with an extra inning before the ball gets to Kimbrel is sort of how I would put it. You know, I'm not comfortable in that situation. I can't, and I want nothing but the best for CJ and Strope and whoever else fills that role, but it just sort of seems like that's not a comfortable position right now. So hopefully – uh Brandon Morrow is rehabbing strong and will come back in the event that he does not do that the Cubs hopefully have their eyes on somebody who can fill that late inning role because I'm just not sure who that person would be right now so I have not
1: heard anything about Brandon Morrow like as of I think the last time we spoke our last podcast and even before that I don't think I had heard any kind of update so I don't know how to feel about that because I feel like we were hearing you know every other day or every third day we were hearing he was doing this and he was working on this and he was doing this. And now I haven't heard anything for a while. Have you heard anything?
0: So just in the last day or two, uh, it said that he um, has been facing hitters and that was new. He had not been facing live batters prior to that. Um, And I had also heard that, you know, he is definitely expected to be out until some point in August, but they're they're expecting him back. I mean, they're talking. You know, his rehab is progressing. He's facing live batters, and they are acting as though he will be a factor for this team at some point in August or late August.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that's better than you know September or October. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know I mean, it I is July, September, and
0: October too. <laughs>
1: I mean, it is almost the end of July, so I guess you know you kind of have to just you know line everything in silver these days because you just you just don't know what we're going to end up with at the trade deadline. So, I mean, fingers totally. crossed we we get something out of at least Moro or you know a deal of some sort.
0: Absolutely, and keeping our eye on the trade uh, deadline and what's going on there, all the trade chatter on twitter remember to always look for the blue check marks and don't fall for a fake ken rosenthal because fake ken rosenthal at this time of the year is literally the worst (laughs) i'm pretty sure he got me last year
1: like i know (laughs) he got me because i was like you know when you're looking for something so hard that it it just like you'll see it in anything it was one of those things like i was just looking for something so hard and i did not look for the blue check and i got I got had pretty good. So, and I I didn't live that down for a couple of days. This was before you and I were, were tight on Twitter. And I, I, I retweeted something that was so far from true (laughs) and I got called out for it and it will, it will never happen again, but it was, it was embarrassing. And I, yeah, I got had pretty good, so I will not do that again though.
0: It's so easy because when – so the part about this time of year that always makes me so anxious is, you know, we're attached to these players. We love them so much. We've been watching some of them since they were in the minor leagues. And so it's really hard when you see somebody's name attached to some outrageous deal and you're just like, oh, my God, that can't be true. And a lot of times it isn't, but it's so easy to get emotionally worked up and, like, retweet it or, you know, respond to it before you realize that it's actually totally false. Oh, and trust me when
1: I say – I mean, I hate to admit this, but Hug Watch is like in full effect. Like I, because who for a second even thought, oh, by the way, I also heard that uh, Martin Maldonado has an actual nickname called Machete. Did you hear this?
0: Oh, I I think I've heard that somewhere, but where where did you find that?
1: So they were talking about it on one of the broadcasts, Lennon JD. He, He actually is called Machete Maldonado. Like, I like how it. awesome is that? That is ridiculous. Cut and runners, down. Cut and runners uh, I, down. Exactly. Yes. Cut and runners down. That's exactly what it's for. So I love that. So, but who would have thought? You know, when he got pulled the game right before he was traded to the Cubs, I remember reading that on Twitter. But I was like, no, couldn't be the Cubs. There's no way. Then, like a couple hours later, it was announced. I'm like, "This is crazy. This is absolutely nuts." I, well, now I'm so like paranoid about falling for something that I like <laughs> doubt everything before I believe it. So, you just never know. But Hug Watch is definitely in effect for the next few days.
0: Yeah, Hug Watch is totally in effect. The other thing to keep in mind is that you know there are some people without blue check marks, some Twitter accounts that do some some okay job, like putting feelers out there, and we will all never forget that Reddit users broke the Quintana trade, which is still one of the wildest things that (laughs) I've ever seen in my entire life. So it can happen, but when in doubt, look for a blue check mark because otherwise you're just going to give yourself a ton of anxiety.
1: Yeah, don't be Andy. Don't be Andy. (laughs) Take a minute, read the tweet again, pull up the profile if you have to. Don't retweet it just on a whim like because you might not live it down. (laughs)
0: so the other thing I want to talk about from the Padres series before we get too into trade land is that Anthony Rizzo has been absolutely on fire for a while now he has a 20 game on base streak he has a 12 game hit streak and during that time during his on base streak he is slashing 370 460 562 which is like Rizzo of old he only has one home run during that time but he has a ton of extra base hits he's really doing some damage uh what are you thinking about Anthony Rizzo right now, Andy?
1: Well, I'm going to say that in my mind, I kind of felt that Grand Slam coming. I kind of felt like that was going (laughs) to happen. You know, I just, he looks so comfortable and so loose. And I think something that's important with him and you kind of get this um, feeling just from watching him and his interaction with his teammates is that he's so like a little kid in a grown man's body. And like when he is loose and having fun, I mean, partly the, I'm sure that is him relaxing because he's, you know, hitting the ball and playing good defense and his team is winning. But I think a lot of that has to do, you know, that's kind of a vicious cycle. So like you start to have fun and start to feel good and because you're playing well and you're playing well because you're having fun and you know what I mean? So yeah. I think for him, you can just tell that he's in a spot right now that he is just loving, you know, his at-bats are just so – um what's complete you know like he's not swinging at balls that are all over the place that sometimes he gets in you know a bad habit of doing he's making solid contact i mean just the sound of the ball when he hits it is like one of my favorite things like that sound is such a great sound when he makes solid contact And he has such quick hands, you know, to pull the ball. And you also have seen him, you know, going oppo a little bit. So I just think he's really getting good at bats, seeing the ball well, and having a good time. And that all makes for a really good Anthony Rizzo. And I do have to add that on his off day last Thursday, um, one of my best friends that I grew up with who lives in Madison sent her son to um, his baseball camp in Rosemont, Aww. and yes, and she sent me some pictures, and she was just like on cloud nine. You know, she's a huge Cubs fan, also, and she was on cloud nine to be in the same room with him. And he said she said that he was just electric, like he had such a power over everybody in the room, and like even the people they're working. Um, it was it was a really cool experience. So you know, I think that is so awesome. That says a lot about him, and people just you know they don't get when you're a professional baseball player you don't really get off days and for him to spend his off day doing that doing a camp for these young young kids that you know are are wanting to play the game like he does i think that just speaks volumes about the kind of person he is
0: yeah i agree with that i saw some pictures from that camp too and you could just tell that people were so excited to have him there and he you know he looked like he was having a great time too and i just appreciate the work that all of the Cubs do with charity obligations and other things. I mean, the pictures from Lester had his charity event last week as well. And that was outstanding. I don't know. I just, I love this team. I love almost every single member of the roster and it's, it's fun to watch what they do and to see the joy they bring to people. I know. And like the part of that, that
1: makes it so hard this time of year is that you just are on the edge of your seat. Like, you know, who is being shopped or who could possibly be moved in the next few days. It's like so hard to even fathom.
0: Totally. I don't know that I can deal with that. Uh. (laughs) Not right (laughs) now. Not right now. Not Not, today. Not not just yet. Not just yet. So let's just, to recap that homestand, the Cubs have played great at home all year, but this was an excellent homestand even by their standards. They went seven and two out of the all-star break. It was like the exact opposite of how they started the season. And, you know, as we talked about before the all-star break, this is what, The Cubs need to do if they're going to be the second half Cubs, the team that really has had a winning record every year since Joe Madden has been there. And if they do that, they're going to put some distance between themselves and the rest of the division. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm really interested to see how they kick off this road trip. What about you? Yeah,
1: I mean, they definitely have to, you know, turn a corner as far as um, their road games because their road record is abysmal compared to their home record. And it's one of those things where you're just getting a completely different Cubs team on the road. So hopefully they can figure it out. Um, You know, this series is a good start. We're facing a team that is right at 500. And, you know, I I don't ever like to, I don't like to hear that people get hurt, but, you know, Milwaukee just had one of their starters go down. So they're going to be struggling trying to put a legit starter in their rotation. So now is a good time to pounce. You know, we got Cole Hamels on the upswing, hopefully coming back in the next week. I read that possibly if it all works out, he could be pitching in St. Louis next Tuesday, which is a game I'm attending. So that would be ideal. Yes. I know (laughs) that would be a great game for him to come back. Um, You know, there's just a lot of things going into this road trip that you want to see go right. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of set the tone for who this team is going to be in the second half. And it's, I think it's extremely important, especially because hopefully, and I, I, I say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but hopefully they will be upgraded a little bit in the next few days, and, um, you know, I think it's just important to start putting things together and really look like a team that's going to, you know, go on a long haul the second half of the season.
0: All right. You alluded to the Cubs' upcoming opponent, the Giants. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to talk all things Cubs and Giants on the flip side. And we're back. So the Giants are – OK, if the Cubs had played the Giants earlier in the season, I would have felt very good saying that the Cubs were going to have an excellent, outstanding series against a team that just wasn't very good. I watched the Giants play against the Nationals earlier this year in April uh, in D.C., and I'm not going to lie, that team looked terrible. They looked absolutely awful. Their outfield was bad. It was bad defensively. It was bad offensively. It was it was bad. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, to start the second half, well, actually even going back before that. So basically through July, the Giants have just been on a tear. And they're quite literally like the hottest team in baseball right now. So of course the Cubs are playing the Giants in San Francisco as the Giants are the best team in baseball right now. Um to back that up a little bit, I, I just kind of like scanned their July record. It looks like they they're 15 and three in the month of July. They have forgotten how to lose. <laughs> And they're just winning games in ridiculous ways. And it makes me, it makes me a little bit nervous. You never want to run into a juggernaut.
1: Well, and not only that, but we're, you know, we're throwing Alec Mills in this first game of the series here. Um, You know, I've read, he has really good stuff. I haven't studied him a ton. Obviously I watched his last start. He looked pretty decent with the exception of his first inning. You know, if he can go out there and just not care and just pitch how, You know, everyone talks about how well he he can pitch. Uh, You know, I I like this matchup. I really do. Um, It's 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 good to finally get a righty in there. But you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know what? Yes, that's what I mean. Yes, yes, yes. It's good to face a righty finally. Um, It. I just I like this series a lot. I like this series because I've also heard that. san francisco sports radio kind of was talking about being afraid not afraid but not excited about playing the cubs because you know just as hot as the giants are the cubs are also you know started the second half of the season now seven and two and granted their schedule is not the the toughest schedule but the reds you know have been playing them tough obviously this season but they look good i mean their offense has has somewhat come alive and their pitching is good so yeah if i'm the giants i'm not loving the idea that i have to to play also a hot cubs team granted coming off a loss but i just i'm excited about this series for a lot of reasons and um i think i really feel like our offense is going to, is going to kind of lead the charge this series. I think our pitching, I, I just, I have a feeling about this, just looking at the matchups. Um, I think our pitching will be solid, but I really feel like our offense is, is going to, going to have a little bit of an extra spark to them.
0: I hope you're right. I I get so nervous whenever the Cubs are playing a hot team, even if the Cubs are on a hot streak of their own, I guess I sort of feel like, okay, so little t- tangent here, but In 2015, there was this series where the Giants came to Wrigley in, like, August. And at the time, both teams were, like, the Cubs were trying to make their run to get into the postseason. The Giants were, like, also, like, right on the cusp of, like, they were literally fighting out wildcard spots. And the Cubs swept the Giants at Wrigley Field, and it was, like, the turning point for both of their seasons. And part of me feels like this series is a turning point for both of their seasons. And and I don't want to get too overly dramatic about that. But the reason I feel that way, you know, the trade deadline is just around the corner. The Giants up until very recently had been considered sellers. People were talking about where Bumgarner was going to go. They were talking about where Will Smith was going to go. Uh, and it it sort of has seemed like maybe if the Giants go on a little bit of a, more of a winning streak here, they're not going to be sellers at all. They're going to hang on to those pieces and try to go for, on one last run for Bochy's last season, Whereas similarly, you know, the Cubs are looking to make some deals. They only have a two-game lead in the division. Who would they deal and for what? I think that that answer can change really quickly if they get swept out of San Francisco. And so this series makes me a little bit nervous because if, if one of these teams stays red hot and sweeps the other one, I feel like it could be a pivotal moment for that team. I don't know. That's, that's just sort of how I'm feeling. And I wish I hate it when a three game series out of a 162 game long season feels so important.
1: I agree, but I feel like it's probably way more important to um, the direction that San Francisco, San Francisco is going to go compared to where Chicago is going to go. Cause I think this is probably more of a, we make our decision after this series type situation for them, whether we're sellers or buyers. I, you and I were discussing pre- podcast episode that um, you didn't think that bumgartner was going to go anywhere, um, I'm still undecided. I think just because I I read a couple things today and listened to a couple things, and I think it, just going off of San Francisco's media... Um, they're, they, I don't think they're fully on board with, with not doing anything. I think that they still are up in the air on what they're going to do. And, you know, the Cubs have an opportunity. I mean, they're still in first place. We act, sometimes we have, um, the ability to act like, you know, this has been a rough season for them. While it's not exactly where we saw ourselves at this point, it's still, we're still in first place. Um, you know, and health wise we're on the upswing. So. I don't know. I think this is way more important to San Francisco than it is to the Cubs. Obviously, every series is important the entire season, but I think as far as whether or not buyers or sellers, I think this probably makes or breaks San Francisco, whereas for us, it might just help determine, based on individual performance, what area we focus on after this. I hope that there's two main areas, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. I mean, the Cubs definitely come into this with a two game lead in the division. So, that in and of itself puts them in a different position than the Giants, who quite literally could be out of the wild card race within a week if they lost, went on a losing streak similar to the winning streak that they've been on. The reason that I said I wasn't sure if they were going to trade Bumgarner or not, and, and admittedly, all of this hinges, and this is sort of why I feel like this is such a pivotal series. Uh, on their performance against the Cubs, if they take two out two of three or three of three from the Cubs, they're probably not. Why would they trade their best pitcher away when they, it looks like they might have a shot against teams that are winning the division? Right. Like I don't think that I would do that. Um, and they've already shown a willingness last year with the acquisitions that they made to sort of try to cling to that one last run with their championship pieces rather than try to then go all in and sell when they should be sellers. Um, Speaking of some of the pieces who are hot on the Giants right now, I'm just kind of looking at their last 14, uh, 14 days worth of stats. And Brandon Crawford, Mike Yastrzemski, who is the grandson of Carl Yastrzemski, former Red Sox great, uh, and Buster Posey are all swinging a hot bat right now. So keep an eye on them during the series.
1: Yeah, I mean, Buster Posey is like the ageless wonder. He, <laughs> he um, oh, is um oh, yachty. Yeah. Oh well. I I'm I'm not too concerned about that. But that he. I mean, he's one person that you're always going to hear mentioned when you speak of of you know all time great catchers, and he just. I mean, he's still just a really solid baseball player. And I got I don't even know how old he is. I'm scared to look because I say that he's old. He's thirty two. Oh my
0: gosh, he's thirty two. <laughs> oh my goodness but uh, yeah we're, we're, been nope, in the we're gonna go we're gonna go right past the age question we're not <laughs> we're not doing we're not doing age stuff today nope thank
1: you well I mean it just in all you know in all seriousness he is a, a very good baseball player and he's always been good against the Cubs I feel like so he's somebody that you always got to keep an eye on but you never know I mean we have Alec Mills who's what has his second major league start tonight so you know they don't know as much about him as he doesn't know as, as much about their lineups. I mean, they can watch tape and study all they want, but until they actually face each other, you know that's a different story. So, you know, and I also tend to think because it's happened to us quite a few times that maybe having a a young pitcher who doesn't have a ton of big league experience pitch against them, you know, sometimes that can leave a lineup kind of stumped. You know, I mean, it's done it. Teams have done it to us a few times this season where, you know, these these minor league pitchers will come up and have no hitters going into the, you know, fifth inning or something ridiculous. And we're like, seriously, why can we not hit this guy? He was and in AAA a a five days ago. A. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, maybe maybe it is finally... Our record is switched from the beginning of the season. So we started off two and seven. We're now seven and two since the all-star break. Maybe everything else is switched. Maybe now teams aren't (laughs) going to be
0: able to figure out our young pitchers. See, (laughs) see, see. I love it. Okay. I'm, I'm team. I'm team. We're in the upside down in the second half and in the upside down. Yes. Yes. Although I I don't know. I don't know. Cause like some good things happened in the first half and I don't want all of those to go away. No,
1: definitely not. We improve on those. But, like, as far as not being <laughs> not being able to figure out young pitchers, we're going to figure those guys out. And now other teams are not going to be able to figure out our young pitchers. See? I got it all figured out.
0: All right. Uh, well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll also be keeping an eye on these pitching matchups. So, as Andy alluded, the Cubs finally get to face some right-handers um, because finally we are playing a team that is not all left-handed pitchers. Uh, Alec Mills, as we talked about, will be facing off against this Sean Anderson kid who is a righty later tonight. And, you know, uh, these games start at 845 Central Time. So make sure you're getting your naps during the day or whatever you need to do to stay up for these games. Or, you know, just check in with uh, BCB in the morning to see what's going on if you can't stay up for them. I understand that work obligations get in the way with that sometimes. Um, On Tuesday evening, you Darvish will face off against Madison Bumgarner. And then on Wednesday, it'll be John Lester against Tyler Beattie.
1: I am looking at the U Darvish Madison Baumgartner matchup. Yeah, isn't that wild? I am shocked. I did not realize that U Darvish had 126 strikeouts and Madison Baumgartner has 127.
0: That's yeah, like, I mean, That's crazy. Darvish strikes out a lot of guys. He just occasionally also walks them and or can't get out of the fifth inning. <laughs> Although new Darvish seems to be better at that. I was going to say, well,
1: listen, we have second half Darvish on the menu for this series. So second half Darvish is, he's got a whole new strut. He's got a whole new walk. So um, not walking batters, a whole new walk. Like he, he stands a little taller. So hopefully we'll see that Darvish against a very tough bum gardener.
0: I'm here for that. I think that'll be outstanding. Is there anything else you're looking for in this series, Andy? We've talked about the players who we think are hot to keep an eye on. Uh, we talked about Anthony Rizzo looking to extend that hitting streak. And here's hoping the Cubs can keep their second half winning ways going on the road.
1: Well, my big thing is, like, I understand we're not going to win every game. It, it It's nice to get a sweep here and there. Taking two out of three is really nice, too. Um, but I think the manner in which we are losing games, like, and I'm talking overall, not just the start of the second half of the season, the manner in which we are losing games the past few weeks is kind of tough to swallow just because obviously you see defensive woes, you see, um, a couple bullpen collapses, you know, stuff like that. I just, I would like to see that to be corrected. Um, and obviously there's going to be a game like that here and there, but and I, I, I can take a loss if they play good and, you know, for the most part are pretty error free because we've seen a lot of errors lately. I won't see any names, but it's just, it's one of those things where if we're playing good ball and we're still losing, those are a little bit easier to swallow than the games where it's just something that is like a forehead slap, like, come on, man. So I think it's important to win this series. Definitely two or three would be fantastic. But if, you know, if we do lose that one game, I just want to see good baseball, like just continue to stay in a positive direction, not, you know, stupid errors, base running errors, you know, pitching collapses, nothing like that. I don't want to see anything like that anymore. It's the second half of the season. We have to start taking things a little bit more serious. And obviously (laughs) we can say that all we want. We're not on the field. We're not playing this game. So hopefully our guys are getting, you know, are seeing all the, the calendar pages that are being flipped and how many we have left. So um, that sense of urgency, I kind of would like to start feeling that at some point.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with everything you just said. And I think that's a great place to end it. So we will be watching these late night Giants games and we'll be back with all of our thoughts on the Cubs and Giants series on Thursday. And we will be looking ahead to what is sure to be a ridiculous series in Milwaukee between the Cubs and Brewers after that. Uh, as always, you can find us at at Cup of Cubby Blue on Twitter, where we'll be talking all things baseball, all things Cubs, Giants, and trade deadline. Hope you have a great week. Bye.